Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 119. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the unflappable, the man who just can't worry, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Mike. It is a pretty special episode as we begin a brand new series, isn't it? It is pretty good stuff when we start a new series. But I tell you what, that leadership series was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm really, really struck by the the consistencies across our four in, individuals. You know, Satya, as well as Christine, as well as Jeff and Tom, each are from totally different sectors, right. as well as backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. But they all had so much to teach us and inspire us about being great leaders. I thought I thought it was a really valuable experience for myself, and I hope that the listeners enjoyed mm. it too. It was classic moonshots. And I tell you what, I think this new series is going to be the ultimate in classics. So where are we, where are we going in this series, Mark? Well, you know, this one is pretty unique pretty individual. And as you and I were digging in just before the show, Mike, pretty astounding when you really take a step back and look at the lessons as well as the amount of individuals who are inspired and uh, taught by these <laughs> by these innovators day to day. You know, when you go and find book reviews online and the sales figures and so on, it's pretty amazing. So we are just about to begin today, episode 119 with our Timeless Classics series, Mike. We're going to have two books on Dale Carnegie. We're going to have the absolute showstopper, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, followed by How to Win Friends and Influence People, the two incredibly popular books of his. We're then going to dig into Stephen Covey and the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I know that you're going to look forward to that one, Mike, particularly, Mm. as well as Eckhart Tolle, the power of now. What a series that we're about to get into. Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking that, and this is totally unplanned. And so you don't know what I'm about to suggest. What about we throw in Carol Dweck with mindset to finish out this series? Oh. I mean, we talked about her so much in the previous episode with Satya. I feel like she deserves to be the one to bring it home. Yeah, you're totally right. Because we did promise our listeners I know. as well. I know. I, I, th- know. I, th- I think that would be a great addition. Okay, done. Yeah. There you go, listeners. You're hearing us learning out loud, thinking out loud, and collaborating out loud. I, I think they didn't <laughs> realize they were joining a production meeting of the, the Moonshots podcast. <laughs> Come on, let's get this back on track, Mark. Where, where do we want to go today? <laughs> so today we're going to start with Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. This, for us, Mike, is a good one, isn't it? Mm. I think when we take a step back, and we, we build on the leadership lessons. This is now really, really practical tips that are, are still around and can help you and I, as well as our colleagues and listeners, get into, uh, get into being the most productive versions of ourselves. So this first clip, uh, I should uh, tell our listeners, Dale Carnegie sadly is no longer with us. So we're going to use a lot of clips that have inspired us and taught us in the past around a number of our key innovators and entrepreneurs. So we're going to have a few clips from a couple of different characters today that's available online. We'll put their links and URLs into the show notes so you guys can go and check them out as well. And this first clip is from um, Brian Johnson at the Optimize team. And Brian's going to introduce us in this first clip into something that's really, really key for us to 
bear in mind as we get into the rest of this show, this is going to be our foundation and our anchor to refer back to and remember as we dig into mindsets as well as, as practical tips. This first clip is Brian Johnson telling us about Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying, Start Living, and why it's key to quit worrying. First, we need to understand what worry does for us. As um, Dale Carnegie says, he says 70% of all patients who come to physicians could cure themselves if they got rid of their fears and worries. So as we now know, our minds and our bodies are very closely tied together. In fact, they're not separate at all. And if we're stressed and anxious and all this, we're literally poisoning our bodies. And that's gonna show up in sickness and disease and all these other things. So we wanna start by purifying our minds. And um, again, as he says, 70% of all patients could cure themselves if they just were able to handle the fears and worries. Oh, that's so true, isn't it, Mark? How many times do you hear people who are going through a really uh, stressful event and then here's the classic one for the middle-aged guy, they do their back. Like they get some really terrible back complaint, like lower back. I mean, of course, worry is manifest in the body, right? And we see this, uh, this, I love describe how Brian picked up on something that's in Dale Carnegie's book, how to stop worrying that, that there is like this, this almost this act of poisoning. And there are many stories in the book of people who, when they learn to use the practices that we're going to talk about in this show, literally self-healed complaints. There's a great story about a guy, all he could consume was milk because he had so many stomach ulcers and then through these practices totally cured himself. So the point that, that for me is so imperative, if you feel exhausted, if you suffer from um, these uh, kind of weird complaints, you will often be able to bring it back to worrying about the future, sometimes regretting the past, but often your mind runs rampant about worrying about the future and look, for your own health, that stuff has just got to stop, doesn't it, Mark? Yeah. I think the, the, the reason why that clip's a great way to start the show today is because it's reminding us, Mike, it's reminding us of this connection that perhaps we've seen in Wim Hof um, with mm. his breathing and the ability to cope with, with disease. And, and listeners, I encourage you to go and, go and check out our show on Wim Hof if you want to find out more on that. But for me, refer, building on what you've just said, Mike, it really does manifest itself. Stress really manifests itself for me in my upper back. You know, I think I've probably even spoken about it on the podcast before. There's this particular, I don't know, knot by my shoulder will suddenly mm -hmm. form mm -hmm. if I feel really stressed. Maybe I'm mm -hmm. hunched over or, you know, just always tense. and the reason why I think that's such a great clip for us to open on is it reminds us that the, the mind and your physical body are so interconnected. They are. They, they are. You know, and I know we'll get into it a little bit today, but training both of them in equal measures is really important for the flexibility of your mind as well as your body, right? It's so true. So the great news is coming up on this show, we've got like two big buckets of clips. First bucket, it's all about mindset. That's a very Moonshots podcast theme, so we like that. You're going to hear a lot from Brian Johnson at Optimize. And um, it's really about how to 
structure your thinking, discipline your mind. Frankly, it's about you taking control of your mind. And, and in fact, that is one of the biggest breakthroughs that this book will give to you. It's like, hang on a second. It's your mind will run wild about uh, considering all these possibilities and the worst that can happen. It's time to take control of it. You're in control, not your mind and certainly not your ego. Then the second half of the show, we're going to get into all super practical things. We're actually going to bust it right open. We're going to take worry and show you a very clear four-step approach on how to break it down. And it really does work. I'm a real fan of this book uh, from Dale Carnegie, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And I want to, Mark, take you and our audience to perhaps, for me, when I read this book, the most powerful idea. And this idea is where you should begin the journey. If you feel in your bones that you tend to worry maybe a bit too much, if you have a sense of dread at times, these are all signals that you're pretty wound up with some stress. Often there are these like trigger events that really bring on stress. Um, the way a meeting goes, the way a conversation goes, your relationship with someone, you know, a project, uh, a deliverable that you've made, it doesn't go right. And there's a lot of stress that goes with it. So I want to take you to that moment. And as a, as an example here, we're going to have a listen to a guy called Mark Roberts, who's actually from uh, the Dale Carnegie company, talking about how to use the power of the book, how to stop worrying and start living. And he relates it a little bit to 2020 and obviously work from home and COVID and all that stuff. So he's going to break down the key question that starts it all. And the key question is, what is the worst that can happen? If you're like me, you're sequestered and away from people. This virus that's taken over our world has got many of us concerned and rightfully so. So we find ourselves worried and concerned about what's going to happen. Mr. Carnegie wrote a book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And in that book, there's 30 principles for how to manage our thinking to control worry. Principle number two is, as he labels it, how to face trouble. I'd say we're probably in trouble right now. So how to face trouble. And the first part of that principle says, ask yourself, what is the worst that can possibly happen? Well, if I think about my situation here, worst could happen would be, I don't know, I could lose my house. I, I could die, I guess. Uh, I could lose my job. My family could die. Ooh. A lot of things could float through our minds when we're not controlling it properly and get us really concerned. So the second part of the concept is prepare to accept the worst. So if I look at this properly, could I accept the fact that I lose my house? Yeah, I'll live someplace. Could I accept that I'm losing my job? Yeah, I've lost them before. I'll probably be able to find another one eventually. Um, if I die, not much I can do there. So why worry about it? It's going to happen eventually anyway. Uh, those that I love could die. Well, what's the likelihood of that happening if we're all sequestered and not really interfacing out there where the virus is? probably pretty low. So the third part of this is try to improve upon the worst. So as we look at this and say, what can I do that could improve upon the things that I'm worried about? 
Well, as far as my job is concerned, there's online options and I could work to do that. I could support my company in ways that uh, would allow me to do that from sitting in my home. Many of us are doing online commuting and telecommuting and that sort of thing as a result of this. And fortunately, we have those means available to us. If my family is not out and about, then chances are they're not going to catch the virus. I won't catch the virus by them bringing it home. And so uh, we'll just wait it out. And when I begin to look at things that way, it makes it a little easier to handle. So Mr. Carnegie encourages us using this principle to ask ourselves, what's the worst that can happen? Prepare to accept the worst and then try to improve upon the worst in the ways possible that we can. If we do that, we're probably going to be able to weather this storm pretty well by controlling our thinking and not allowing it to control us. What a practical and well-applied clip there that is taking Dale's work from 1948, Mike, <laughs> yeah. and, and bringing it into, you know, a, a by the, contemporary Matt, Matt, By the way, when we say classic, I mean, we are not mucking around. We, we really not, do mean a classic. <laughs> we're not uh, mincing around those words. Yeah. This is a classic bestseller self-help book. And it's such a, it, it's a, it's a tip that I can really relate to, you know, if in times when I'm facing trouble, my natural reaction, Mike, will be to jump to the worst. And, you know, perhaps it's not always going to be uh, realistic, but it's certainly going to be something that I'm going to gravitate towards uh, straight away. But what I don't do is then prepare for it. Mm. I think that my, uh, of those three steps, yeah. ask, prepare and improve, I think I probably land uh, in the in the first one. I probably naturally assume, oh, this is the worst case scenario. Right. And then I marinated it. I sit in it. <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my mindset will, uh, will sit in that, that, that slightly negative space. Yeah. And, it, and it's pretty hard to, to get out of. Um, and what I, what I think is a really valuable tip. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me interrupt and say you, you're in there marinating and, just to relate to that, the worst part of that marinating and worrying, right, is you never resolve it. You're just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. Oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst. And um, you're in this perpetual state of fight or flight, right? And you need to push through it, don't you? Yeah, you need to, the, the relief comes when something changes. But that something that changes should indeed be your mindset. It should be, okay, well, this is it. I can assume that there's something I can do about it. So let me figure out what it is. Let me prepare myself mm. for this particularly difficult scenario. Perhaps my preparation, uh, you know, building on Dale Carnegie's tips there would be, okay, well, this will stick around for a long time. You know, this difficult situation is not going to be resolved for uh, let's say six months. Okay. Maybe that's the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Let me see how I can improve on my reaction and improve on my, um, response to it. You know, let's not try and always fly away. Yeah. So, um, because you've been so candid in, in offering up your marinations, <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to point out to you is actually in what you said, we can kind of see that, the opportunity for you is to go further into the accepting. Mm. 
And you should take any challenge that's coming to you and say, on the surface level, if let's say if I don't deliver something tomorrow at nine o'clock, okay, if I miss that deadline, what does that do? What does that do to the project? What does that do to the overall relationship with my partner here? What does that do for my company? What happens if I'm no longer at the company? You really need to actually, in a structured way, if you follow Dale Carnegie's advice, you need to go right into the valley of darkness, Mark. You, you, you were very good at saying, hey, it's the prepare bit, it's the accept bit. You really need to go to the worst that can happen because the turn, the pivot, and here's the great moment. Once you go there to the very lowest of the low, you just like imagine that nothing goes your way and it's a cascade of bad after bad after bad. Once you are there, you have to dwell in your marination and accept that this, however slight, could be possible. And once you have, have truly prepared it, and I think we know that we are, have accepted it and we are prepared for it, is when we can write it down and look at it and go, yep, that is a list of 10 of the worst things that could happen. Once you have reflected on that, you can then start the kind of preparing and improving because here's the beauty. Now, are you ready, Mark? Mm. So I've taken you down to the valley of darkness. It's terrible. I mean, your life is almost over as we know it. The beauty of life is this. Here is the big aha of this book. Things are never as bad as they seem. But because you've entertained the worst that could happen and that the worst never actually does happen. It, bad stuff might happen, but never the worst, 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 worst. What happens is you're able to go, huh, actually, yeah, I didn't deliver on this thing. Yeah, the project went south. Yeah, the project and the, the product that we're building or whatever, it's not getting built anymore. Yeah, I lost my job. Yeah, the company's over. You can accept all of those things. But once you actually get through the valley of darkness, all of those things rarely have ever happened. Things are never as bad as they seem when you're in the valley, but because you've accepted it, when, you, when it works out, oh, the project got delayed or uh, we had this other issue, but we resolved it, then you're like, this is really important. This is when you go, huh, that wasn't too bad in the end. But you can only get to that sort of little moment of delight if you accepted the worst that could happen because that's your reference point. You had gone to the bottom of the valley, but you're like, oh, we're still pretty close to the peak. Not quite what we wanted, or maybe we uh, didn't get the results that we were looking for, but we're not far off. Well, that ain't too bad, right? And this is key because then it puts you in the context right now to go, okay, I've explored the worst that can happen. I'm going to take some deliberate action uh, to get out of it. And invariably what happens is things end up better than they seem. If we follow the advice of Dale Carnegie, we can improve upon the worst and your chances of doing that are incredibly high. Oh, I mean, it's, that's a great first lesson coming out of the, coming out of the gate, Mike, isn't it? Mm. I mean, that's, uh, I think it, it really does remind me 
of the the lessons that we were learning from our our leadership series around the reflection and, and the journaling, which we've spoken about on on Moonshot Show a lot. I think that's really where you're where you're going with this. Write it down, refer back to it, and change that reception or that mindset around the immediate versus the long term. I would say vigorously entertain the worst thing that can happen. That's what I'm really getting to here, man. Like you got to go deep and dark and, and, and then everything builds out of it. Like I spoke about, because mm. invariably things are never as bad as they seem, but you must truly explore that in order to accept it and to get beyond the worry. If you don't deliberately entertain all those bad options, bad scenarios, then your your mind is is so curious it's, and, and you're always considering them and then you'll be in the shower and you go, oh, damn, what happens if this then happens? Oh, no. <laughs> so take control of that situation. That's a big message here. Take control, think, go to the valley, deliberately dwell in it and, as you would say, marinate in it and then deliberately try and do your best because invariably things are not as bad as they seem. And it's amazing when you see people who are rife with, with anxiety and, and worry, it's because those thoughts keep coming. It's unrelenting, isn't it? Yep. It's unrelenting. And sometimes you've just got to, you know, bring it all back down and anchor it down. And in this next clip, it's an, uh, this is going back to uh, Brian Johnson over at Optimize. He's going to introduce us to another one of the, the facts and one of the ideas within Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying and start living, which is all about day tight compartments and how we should embrace living each day and really focusing on the here and now. So this next clip that we're going to hear from is Brian Johnson telling us about living in day compartments. The first one is this idea of living in day tight compartments. So imagine a ship. He tells the story that these big ships have compartments such that if water gets into one compartment, an iron door comes down, a steel door comes down and separates that compartment from all the other ones, right? So it's, it's locked, airtight, so the water can't get into the rest of the boat and sink it. And he says we need to do the same thing with our lives. So we've got to be able to separate our lives into day-tight compartments, right? So we put an iron door down from yesterday. Had a bad day, the steel door comes down. We don't stress about that. Stressed about the future, door comes down, we don't stress about that. We live in airtight day compartments, right? And we just do what needs to be done today. So- well, this is like a huge theme, Mark, because it not only uh, does it come through in Dale Carnegie's work, I think we will find that in Erkart Toll's Power of Now, it's also a really big theme. I love the analogy of like, you know how, in order to stop boats from sinking, they have all those airtight con, uh, containers and, and compartments in them. I love that because you do need to go and put the worry, the challenge behind a steel door. So once you've confronted it and done your best today to, to get yourself out of it, put it in a box, put it in a compartment. It is so important. But Mark, here's the twist on it, and it's a question for you. How do you put stuff in, in those airtight compartments? How do you put things behind the steel door? Well, I, I love to think about things, uh, whether they're reactions, emotions, or um, actions, you know, physical ones, 
in that short-term versus long-term approach. And we've discussed this on the Moonshot show before. So trying to, something I, I try and do more vigorously as I, as I get older and as we continue on our journey of learning out loud with mm-hmm. our listeners is to ask myself when I'm in a moment of challenge or stress or frustration, how will I feel in the future? So my reaction right now will be possibly influenced by being tired or even hungry <laughs> or feeling a little, a little bit despondent or disappointed. And that short-term reaction, short-term emotions, shouldn't influence the long-term objective, which might be to launch a product. It might be to collaborate better with colleagues. It might be to improve a relationship. Whatever it is, it might be to create a a brand new way of of working and, and leaving a legacy behind. Those things are sometimes confused with short-term goals. Mm. Oh, I haven't reached it yet, so Mm. I'm going to be disappointed. Well, no, that's the wrong way to think about it. At least what's something that I try and um, actively consider is, okay, well, the result is the, the output of lots and lots of smaller different parts. You know, you've got to go along that journey to get to that destination. And I think what I like about this analogy, and you're right, it's a, it's a great one with the ship and the, the different compartments being closed so water doesn't leak out. The long-term objective is the, of the boat is to get to that destination. Mm. And the short-term thing might be, oh, bad news, we've just hit an iceberg or somebody left the window open and now all the water's rushing in. <laughs> so <laughs> you you're, know, saying, but- you're saying what you basically do is make a distinction between short-term challenge and long-term purpose and objective. That's what I try to do. Yeah, yeah. So I will build on that and say um, my the way I create con- compartments is that when I face challenge and challenge when things don't go as planned, you know, there's all sorts of things you can do to remind yourself of, you know, why you're doing it and that reminding yourself of your purpose and reminding yourself that you've got to embrace the discomfort. They're all good, but I'm going to get to an act that I love and it's called the purge. All right. I purge the stress and the negativity out of my system. So what I do is I write a diary in the active voice where I actively go to the, the cause of the, my, my challenge, my problem. I write down how I feel about it, why I'm uh, feeling emotions about it. I describe the emotions and I write and, f- and, t- and then I keep writing until I literally write the words, I release it, I purge it, I am over it, I am done with it. That's how I create my compartments because I have such a huge scope of responsibility in my work that spans regions, over 250 people. There's a lot going on. So sometimes things don't work out. I purge myself. I know when I'm ready, right? So something comes up and it's really frustrating, disappointing me, or maybe I'm even worrying about it then it is a full frontal attack. I write to it, I name it, I visualize it, 
and then I banish it behind the steel doors because the that's the only option that I have because I can't allow one thing that's bothering me to affect how I work with all the people that I collaborate with every single day, all the people that report to me, all the clients I work for. It's essential to purge, to put negativity, worry, and stress behind a steel door, lock that door, but I'm not locking it to run away from it. I name it, I call it out, and then I put that thing in there and say, you are going there and you are not coming out. Mm. That, I think that's the important distinction there. You're not locking it away to not hide it. it. Yeah. Like naming your, naming your worry is the most empowering thing you can do. If you want to live in these day compartments, name it. Call out mm. the enemy. Well, certainly something that I've experienced with, with you, Mike, is when you do name something, when you do put it into real life, whether it's writing it down as a one pager, whether it's you and I just collaborating and discussing it, I do get a sense of relief mm-hmm. afterwards. You do, because, right? Yeah, you really, really do. And you know, if, you've, if I've ever got a worry in my head or if I'm anxious about something, only by releasing the steam and, and either talking about it or in your case, you know, writing it down and purging, it's that's when that pressure valve gets released. Exactly. Because this is what Dale Carnegie is talking about. You must accept it. And actually this next clip really builds on where we've just got to. And it's all about understanding the role of fate and circumstance. And this next clip, we've got Brian Johnson talking about Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying. And it's all about the mindset of us, each and every one of us, all you moonshotters, being willing, ready and able to have the situation, to have things as they are. Second big idea here, which is be willing, be willing to have it so. I'm willing to have it so right now with that. (laughs) So be willing to have it so. This is a William James idea. William James was a, uh, I think, early or late 1800s um, philosopher, psychologist, kind of the grandfather of the psychology movement. Awesome guy. He used to teach his students, be willing to have it so. Be willing to have it so. Too often we're resisting what is, right? We're not accepting whatever is in our lives and that creates a huge amount of anxiety and worry and stress. So if we wanna stop worrying and start living, we've gotta accept whatever's in our life right now. We can still want to change it in the future, but right now we've got to accept it fully. And we'll find that as we do that, our future unfolds more and more effortlessly when we don't resist what the current reality is. So Byron Katie, in the note I talk about a few other people who mention this, Byron Katie, loving what is, is all about this. Eckhart Tolle's power of now, that's the heart of his message, is loving the now, loving this moment. Byron Katie is really funny about it. She says, uh, she says, I realized that it's insane to oppose it. When I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. How awesome is that? When I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. The fact is, whatever is happening is happening. To argue with it is insane. You've got a line at the grocery store. Well, it is what it is. 
We can choose to do something creative about it, but it is what it is. Arguing with that doesn't make any sense. Um, traffic on the way to work, it is what it is. Lost your job, it is what it is. Relationship is in trouble, it is what it is. We've got to accept that first and then move to consciously create our ideal. But be willing to have it so is just so big. I mean, this seems so simple. It seems so elemental and straightforward. But actually, it can be a little bit of a challenge, you know, <laughs> accepting something fully and not resisting. It doesn't come naturally to me, at least, Mike. Right. Um, I'd like to think that, yeah, I, I love the now, but I am one of those people who gets frustrated in the grocery line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Things that I can't control, I get a little bit frustrated. Well, and this is huge. This is huge, Mark, because I think we all have some degree of this. Um, but the, 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 there is a point in time where no matter the grocery line at work in our relationships, where things are just where they are and we can go back and forth as to why, we can talk about the past, we can talk about the future, but it just is. And the ability to catch yourself, and this is a big theme, I think, of these classics, is being able to float above yourself and look at yourself and to be able to say, I love this idea of like, you cannot fight reality because if you do, you will guaranteed you're going to lose every single fight. The reality <laughs> is just what it is. For example, if we're doing something and let's say we're a sports team and we've lost more games than we've won, it's, that's just reality, right? That's how it is. Now, what you see in teams is people often start judging, start blaming and worrying about, oh, job security and all this sort of stuff. What we are demonstrating to you is all of that, the, 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 the worry, well, first of all, the judgment of how the hell did we get here, whose fault is it, and the worrying about the implications, all of that is wasted energy. To take it further, Dale Carnegie would propose that's poisonous, poisonous to you and to your peers. So what's really interesting, we talked about living in the day compartments, asking the worst can, that can happen, purging yourself of this. It is so critical to just be able to accept where you are. The beauty is in the second half of the show, we're going to talk about once you're there, we'll tell you how you can build up from that, how you can actually get things going in a really constructive and positive way. But for me, this is like just if said differently, it's like get over it, right? It's just that we're in the situation. Let's get over that. Let's move forward. I mean, so good. Just get over it, accept it, and move on. And this next uh, clip that we've got, Mike, is Brian Johnson once more. And he's now taking us that little step further, thinking around identifying your, your triggers and also identifying your behavior and interpretation when things go wrong. So taking us from accepting what's around us and, again, when you notice things, just say, okay, well, that's that's okay, not great, but it's all right, I will still live. So this next clip that we've got about mindset from Brian Johnson at Optimize is how to not cry over spilt milk. Okay, so don't cry over spilt milk, which is very similar to the idea of loving what is and um, being willing to have it so. You can't do anything about it. If you've spilt milk, you've spilt milk. There's nothing you're gonna do to change the fact that you've spilt it. And in my own life, I've found that it's like I'm developing a filter 
and the things that I just don't have any control over no longer trigger me quite as much. It's an awesome thing to see. I still get triggered, of course, but it's awesome to see, wow, I can't do anything about that. It makes no sense for me to get all pissy about it. It's really empowering. So if you can't do something about it, like spilt milk, don't worry about it. Accept it, then take action. I'm repeating myself deliberately here. Yeah, so a couple of themes there. One, obviously, you know, I was talking earlier, like you could sit around crying that the that the project or whatever or your your sports team is not doing well, but it's such wasted energy, isn't it, Mark? Like what's there to gain? There's the only thing you gain is the anxiety and the and and the <laughs> the worry ability, yeah the worry and the ability to be inefficient yeah yeah well, that's what you do gain yeah that's what but, you gain but what's interesting i think if you practice this enough and just saying all right we are where we are let's let's not bother with the finger pointing um you know the interesting thing is is that you can and brian alluded to this you can start to catch yourself when you are crying over spilt milk, when you are judging others, when you are uh, experiencing some uh, trigger for like things aren't great. And part of this comes back to the bigger idea. You've got to embrace discomfort. And I think it becomes a lot easier not to cry over the spilt milk when you're just like, great, you know, things are a bit wobbly, but we're trying to do something special here. Um, So, This is probably net net. This is all a good thing. You know, Jeff Bezos has this great quote that if you're not uh, upsetting some people, then you're probably not working hard enough. And, you know, this, it's this idea of like, well, if, if you're not having experiencing some failure, are you really trying to do something that's particularly challenging? Right. If it's all going well, then that for me is also is equally a bigger warning sign because, well, then is this too easy? Have we chosen Mm. the right challenge? Why is this all too good? Right. And that's really interesting if you actually engineer yourself to be like Zaha Hadiz, like oh, the more more challenges I face, the stronger I get. I mean, that's how you start really getting out of this, isn't it? Exactly. Rather than crying over something that's pretty irrelevant, you know, crying over that spilt milk uh, or the shirt, short-term reaction that maybe you've got from a uh, customer or whoever it might be. Instead, when you focus on hey, okay, well, what am I working towards? What am I creating? Well, part of the resilience I'm getting from those challenges of working remotely, working from home, working long hours, whatever it is that us and our listeners have, have you know, started to maybe experience over the past few years, month, whatever it might be, those are opportunities, aren't they, Mike, to mm. become that little bit stronger and more resilient against those challenges and against those moments of discomfort. Yeah. And it's funny, as you were talking, I was just having such a uh, Satya Nadella flashback. I mean, this is the growth mindset, isn't it? I mean, the first half of the show is just all about, okay, here we go. Um, You got to stop with that wearing stuff because it's pretty nasty on the body. And like go into the valley of darkness, ask what's the worst that can happen you know, purge yourself of all these negative thoughts, put it in a box, put it in a compartment, put it behind the steel door and just accept where things are and be careful not to get triggered because there's a lot of things happening. Know that you can respond, have self-awareness as such that you can catch yourself worrying and then go put it right back in that box. Ooh, that is the first half of the show, Mark. Crikey, that's a great foundation that we can build on in this timeless classic series. 
Yeah. I'll tell you something I'm not crying about, and that's all the wonderful feedback we've had the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been so, so cool. We have seen um, we really are welcoming a bunch of uh, new listeners to the show. It's been wonderful to see uh, a huge uh, new community of uh, listeners joining us from the Philippines, the Aussies and South Africans. They've been having their espresso and tuning into the podcast, that's for sure. And I love um, to see countries like we're seeing a lot of listeners from Malaysia, uh, the Portuguese, uh, India, Denmark. I mean, wow. I mean, there's just a great eclectic bunch of moonshotters who all want to learn out loud and be the best version of themselves. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice in the time when we can't travel around the different countries ourselves, Mike. It's great to not only see us um, appearing in the charts in those different countries. It's also great when our listeners get in touch with us. And we got this great message from Rajul Shah from Kenya. Greetings, Rajul, who uh, gave us some great positive feedback on the very, very popular Wim Hof episodes that we've done. Is that the most disruptive show we've ever done? I can't believe how many people have embraced Cold showers and deep breathing. <laughs> well, I, th- I think much like we heard in this first clip today, the, the connection between mindset and body is just such a, a kind of an elemental consideration, isn't it? I think that's why Wim Hof always yeah. becomes such an attractive Good point. Um, gateway. Mm. And it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear from you, Rajul. We love hearing from our listeners. And I kind of feel like you and I, Mike, we've been on a, on a trip. We've met our friends in Kenya and we've started spreading that moonshot lesson. <laughs> yeah. And you've, you've been, you've had a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of mail and contact with listeners the last weeks, a lot of great suggestions. Um, some of them, uh, I actually, uh, I don't even know the, the people like, um, let's see here. We had, uh, Finona Mutesi, a chess player. That was a suggestion from, um, Rodrigo in, in Munich. Um, and others obviously more familiar with, George Lucas. And then even people like Lawrence Levy, who I've actually met. Um, Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what an what an amazing uh, list that he sent us in suggestions. That was very cool. Yeah, thanks, Rodrigo. Always keeping us um, inspired and then providing great suggestions. So thank mm. you. Keep, keep them coming, listeners. Mm. Now, if people are interested in sending us their thoughts, Mark, there's a little place on the internet that they can go, correct? There's a little destination that all of our listeners can go and check out, which is www.moonshots.io. And on moonshots.io, listeners, you will find our latest episodes. You'll find links to our show documents where you can find um, the clips as well as sometimes additional documents uh, that might be specific to that innovator that lesson that we've been learning from. Hey, don't forget, words. you can get transcripts of all the shows too, right? You can get transcripts if you just want to really dig into the lessons that Mike and I are discussing. It's like a Moonshots festival all there at moonshots.io, isn't it? I mean, it's like more <laughs> Moonshots than you could possibly take. Exactly. But if you really do want more, you can get in touch with us either via our feedback button that's on the homepage or send us an email at hello at moonshots.io. Hmm. Okay. All right. Do you feel, Mark, that we are ready for the home stretch? Because oh. we've talked so much about this mindset. You can't cry over the spilled milk. You got to go to the valley of darkness. What's the worst that can happen? 
I feel like we've got we've got space and time for 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 Brian Johnson to talk us through this great book from Dale Carnegie, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. So how are we going to bring this one home, Mark? Well, we've, as you say, we've learned a lot about mindset and things that we can remember. So now let's hear from Brian Johnson once more at Optimize. Tell us about four steps to making a decision and how we can all take action. To make a decision and then to rock it. He says that when he's stressed, right, he finds that when he makes a decision, he gets clear on all the different options that are available to him, what's going on, what's stressing himself out, and then he makes a decision. Just making a clear decision relieves about 50% of the anxiety and tension and worry. And then when he starts taking action to deal with whatever it is he's decided to do, another 40% of the stress goes away. He's dealt with 90% of his stress just by making a clear decision and taking action to deal with it. Really big idea. So in the note, I talk about that. I say, okay, what's stressing you out right now? Identify one thing that's stressing you out. And then what can you do? Note a few different things you could do about it, right? And then what will you do? Step three, what will you do? So step number one is what's stressing you out? Step number two is what can you do about it? What are all the things you could do about it? Step number three is what will you do about it, right? Make the decision to do something about it. Then step four is do it. Try it out and see if you don't reduce 90% of your stress just by getting clear on what you can do, making a decision, and then taking action. Really big idea on how to stop worrying and start living. Look, the therapy of taking action cannot cannot be un, over, uh, overestimated. It is, um, quite frankly, taking action is so soothing such a welcome feeling like, oh, this thing has really been bugging me, but I have a clear path. It's made up of five steps. I'm going to do this today, that tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. The relief, Mark. I mean, I just felt relieved listening listening to the clip, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did as well. I mean, for, for me, Mike, the if I step away from the uh, the, the darkness for a moment, and the worst case scenario, I find that actually this approach still works on a more day-to-day um, action-led situation. For example, if I know that I've got something hanging over my head, maybe it's not causing me total worry or total anxiety, I can still use those steps to get to a point of feeling relief. You know, right, I need to go and create a proposal or I need to create a response to something. It might not be the worst case, but it's still something that might be causing me just that little bit of, it might be a little bit of a pang, a little bit of a, an anxiety or a stress in the background. I'll think, okay, well, let me just put down my first thoughts. Let's build a skeleton or a one-pager. I'll put it down. I'll name the beast. Maybe, in <laughs> fact, Mike, it could be me purging yeah. and popping something down. I might come back to it. I might come back to it tomorrow and realize I had no idea what I was talking about. Mm. <laughs> but just the first step, or as Brian says, taking action and doing something about it relieves that little pang, relieves mm. that little bit of stress. So I don't want to steal too much from the future books in this series, but a big part of this is when you can say, okay, I might have five steps of taking action, all right? So overall resolving this is made up of five steps. 
but you've made a plan that today you're going to do step one. When you get to the end of today and you've completed step one, if you are aware enough, you can truly feel not only relief, but also a kind of a mild sense of satisfaction. Hey, you know, I set out today to do step one and I did it. And that's as much as I can do today, accepting that you did your best today and there's nothing more to do today. I think this sets you up for a little bit of space. You've put it in a compartment and more practically speaking, to bring this back to the body, if there's something really big going on and you're dealing with it, you want to get a good night's sleep and there's nothing worse than stress and worry preventing you from getting a good night's sleep. So if you can get this ritual of, hey, I did step one, plenty to go, but I've done step one, that was my best effort. I think this is a huge part of living more comfortably with challenge. Dare I say, this is how you can embrace challenge. Yeah, and I'd like to build on the the good sleep reference, Mike, because you're totally right. By, by accepting the situation and taking that first step, that bit of action, making that decision and going to do something about it. I th- in my experience, it removes that energetic mind you have when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. You know, for me, it manifests itself not only in that, that kind of knot that we were talking about from a physical perspective mm-hmm. on your body, but also almost a knot in your mind. <laughs> you know, it's an obsession uh, yeah, you continually think about, right? Yeah, very good. And when you f- then begin to purge, when you begin to put it into um, an action list, I think that's how it then starts to dispel. And you can go and have a productive, mm. restful night's sleep or a productive meeting. You know, remember that, again, in my experience, anxiety is pretty distracting. It can stop you being able to focus on other things in your day and become less efficient. You can perhaps even damage some of the other work that you might be doing. Mm. And only by identifying it and accepting it, taking action, can you hope to enable yourself at coping and uh, balancing the other work in a more productive way, I think. Mm. Yeah, you know, the the to bring this back to Ryan Holiday, I can't believe we haven't talked about Ryan Holiday oh, yeah. this entire show, but I want to draw a line between Dale Carnegie's work, How to Stop Worrying, and the work of Ryan Holiday. Um, you know, stoicism really does understand this fundamental truth that the obstacle is the way, right? And everything that blocks you is your ego and your mind and so forth. I think the way in which taking action is very stoic, Ryan Holiday would be in his element right now, is that you might not be responsible for the situation. You might not be the main culprit in creating the problem or the challenge or whatever. However, don't get caught up in all of that. We explored that in the first half of the show, accepting, also very stoic. But here's where we're getting super stoic. Focus on what you control and it's the path towards action. Doing things is what you control. And this is where it's very stoic. So the empowerment, the good feeling, the good night's sleep is all on the other side. 
you know, hey, we're in a crap situation. It sucks, but I'm doing the best I can do every single day, step by step, to resolve this situation. And you know what? That's the best I can do. This is what I control. The broader geopolitical crazy COVID world that we live in, I don't control that, but I control my response. And the more we focus there, on how we respond to the world. And if you want to focus on how you respond, you need to start with how you perceive the world, i.e. the first half of this show. So it's all about, hey, you know what? Some challenges, but you know what? I'm doing the things I can do within my world. For example, if you're really, really kind of anxious about the climate, right? Well, take action. Make your house uh, a a net uh, zero carbon producer, Go and get solar, recycle, make better decisions on what you buy and how you live. Those are things you control. So you don't have to worry about the bigger picture because, you, hey, listen, you know, you can't, you know, fly up in the air and suck all the carbon out. Focus on what you control. I think this is very, very stoic, very powerful and such a, a comprehensive body of work. It's it's so, so good. And it's crazy, Mark, 1948. This was written and people are so inspired. They're making videos and look, even you and I are sitting here talking about it and we couldn't be bigger advocates for this book to our listeners, could we? No, I, I totally agree. And and something to remember, you know, in 1948, that's three years after World War II. Yeah. It, it, it's the perfect, uh, I think, connection that we can make with, with us and our listeners is you had a, a, a climate culture an economy that all was suffering from this, this war, this unimaginable war Mm. and what perfect timing, um, you know, by Dale Carnegie to bring out this book and and help those individuals who were worrying and still anxious from, from all of that. And you're, you're totally right, Mike, just to build on that stoic connection, that perceiving what you can control, how I can go out and action it. That's that practical element, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's that, that, real foundation that I can actually go and do something about it, uh, in my own world. Again, it's, it's seems so simple, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that the complexity is in the discipline to do it every day. Yeah. That's what I think. What do you reckon? I think the, the practice, mm. you're right. Yeah. It's the practice of writing it down, of purging, as you say, I'm, I'm going to start stealing that word, I think. Um, and thinking, okay, well, what can I do? What is the beast? Mm. What can I name it? And how can I break it down into something that that I can actually go and do something about? Yeah. And what I love is that we have one clip to kind of put this all a little bit in perspective because, you know, the funny thing about worry is it kind of consumes you, doesn't it? You know, like you you kind of almost, you're so in it that you don't even know that you're doing it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it's definitely, definitely something I can experience. You can't really can you can control how you react to it, but sometimes you, you don't even notice that you're yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this last clip is is really challenging us a little bit to kind of be self-aware, uh, you know, to um, look at ourselves with a bit of distance and perspective and to ask the question, how much, you know, this is this is a big one, how much is your worry really worth? Put a stop loss order on worry. A stop-loss order is a way to limit your financial downside in the stock market. If a stock goes below a certain dollar value, you cut your losses and get out before the stock goes any lower. 
This limits your max loss. It basically stops the bleeding. Now this idea can be applied to worry and other negative feelings as well. You put a stop loss order on any kind of worry, annoyance, anger, and resentment that comes to you. Let's say you're worrying about something. How long will you worry about that one thing? How much does that thing really matter to you? In the grand scheme of things, how much does it really matter? How much will it matter tomorrow or next month or in five years? As Dale Carnegie stated, at what point shall I put a stop loss order on this worry and forget it? Decide how much worry and anxiety something is worth and absolutely refuse to give it any more than that. By giving yourself boundaries, let's say limiting your worrying to five minutes or an hour on a particular issue and then sticking to that, you're giving yourself a sense of control and authority over the worry. Usually, worry runs rampant and unchecked, which is why it eats away at us. You probably never told yourself you're only going to allow yourself to worry about something for 10 minutes, and then after that, you have to get to work on the issue or move on. It's such a simple yet effective solution to limit the endless cycle of worrying. When thinking of what the stop-loss limit should be for something, keep the law of averages in mind. 90% of things you worry about will never happen. So with that law of averages in mind, ask yourself the following question. What are the chances that this thing I'm worrying about will ever occur? (laughs) 90% won't happen. I mean, when you do take a step back and consider, you know, that law of average, it's just so low. And it does, it makes you, makes you laugh. What I, (laughs) what I think is really powerful in an addition to the clips that we've heard today, Mike, Again, it's a great practical tip, and it's something that I'm going to give a go. I'm going to give it a go. Good Putting idea. a time limit, a fixed time mm. limit on worry, thinking about and giving myself authority over that unpredictable item and thinking, okay, well, I'll worry about it, then I'll stop it, then I'll go out and, and take action. You know, I think that's a great build on what we were talking mm. about with the journaling, the purging, with Brian's yes. take action list. I mean, you're exactly right, Mark. I mean, what we just heard then in that clip is how much is it worth? It's like, okay, like entertain it for a very limited amount of time. But then basically what we heard then was ask yourself what the worst can happen, accept it, put it in a compartment behind the steel door and get the hell over it. It just is as it is and don't go crying about it. Let's crack on. I mean, and I think the the self-awareness here is we can find ourselves worrying for days or weeks. I mean, how many times do you speak to friends and the thing that they're worrying about, they were worrying about last time you talked? Uh, if anything, I, I find when I catch myself doing it, I find it a bit tedious. <laughs> I'm kind of almost bored of my own voice. You're bored right? of the worry. Look, worry, I'm, I'm so worry. sick of you. Could, you. could you like get the hell out of my head? Exactly. I'm bored of that worry. Well, Mark, do you, do you think we've, we've given uh, each other the means to get, uh, this, get rid of this poison, right, to, to release ourselves of this, this mind running rampant? Yeah, I, th- I think for me the, the biggest lesson I'm taking away from show 119, Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying to Start Living, is the airtight compartments. Yeah. You know, putting it into... Uh, your journal, putting it into a method or means to uh, compartmentalize it, accept it, maybe come back to it and look at it, but and create a, a boundary around it that then mm. enables you to go out and live 
in the day to day and to take action. Mm, good that's, stuff. That's for me, I mean, what a what a great tip. Mm. And are you looking forward to the the remainder of the series? Because we're going to get into a lot more dimensions than just worry. You feel ready and raring to go. I can't wait to get into how to win friends and influence people. Another Dale Carnegie. I can't wait to get into the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. And to finish it off, I mean, you've made a couple of references today, Mike, to Atoll's, you know, The Power of Now. That's going to be a great bookend. Well, remember, we're going to throw Carol at the end, huh? Of course we are. But, But let me just set this up. Okay, here we are. We're an hour into the show. So this is for the hardcore moonshotters. Guys, gals, if you want to explore what you could be, what your potential really is, then it lays in the book Power of Now. I cannot uh, recommend it enough, but you have to be, you have to be ready, right? Um, so we've started pretty good. Stop the worrying. But we are going to go all the way to the power of now, which is, explores the utmost, uh, the peaks of your own uh, personal potential. Um, and it will, if you're open and ready for it, the power of now will be transformative. It is, uh, it's a top 10 for sure. I can't wait. I've mm. already got it on my, uh, Kindle. I'm, I'm aware of it, Mike, but I'm going to revisit it. Dude, just, just go there. Just go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark Pearson Freeland. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, guiding me through this journey into the world of Dale Carnegie and how to stop worrying and start living and what a book it was. So moonshotters, have we heard what Dale Carnegie was telling us today? It started with an emphatic stop worrying. Don't let the mind go crazy. And the way and the place that we begin is with mindset. We have to ask ourselves, what is the worst that can happen? We have to take that nasty, nasty, evil, negative thoughts down there in the valley of darkness, the absolute worst that can happen, and we need to go and we need to put it in a compartment behind the steel doors. And we need to be prepared to say it is so, to accept it and to avoid those bad behaviors, those little bad habits of crying over spilt milk. This is the path to stop worrying. So where do we start? We identify what's stressing us out, what you can do with it, what you will do, and finally, how you're going to get it done. You're going to, just like Nike, do it. Because in the end of the day, there is a question that you must answer, which is how much is your worry really worth? And if you answer this and if you take the empowerment, if you take the very stoic nature of taking the best action you can today, there's one thing for sure, thanks to Dale Carnegie, you will truly start living. All right, that's the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.